You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. I don't know what it is, but that music just fires me up. Just gets me going. What about you guys? You got a little air guitar going. Eh? Little air guitar, yeah. <laughs> DW rocking in the background, minus the hair. Um, yeah, welcome to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. I am here joined by Technical Director Sean Lother. Hello, how are you? Very well. We've got Community Director Deagle Vender. What's going on? And on the line, we have the Phoenix Director, Dano Drummond. Dano, how are you, bud? Good, D-Dubs. How are you? Well, you know, I could go into a long diatribe about feeling very logy. And I, it's funny. I, I got my uh, COVID shot finally. And mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the signs... Now, honestly, uh, come Sunday, it'll have been two weeks, I guess. So when they say it takes two weeks for these shots to take effect... But I don't know why I'm, I'm like feeling tired now. <laughs> it's like it's, a, it's like two weeks ago. Come on, it was supposed to be the first couple of days, and then you feel normal again. So that's just the early morning grind for you right now. So. Oh, could be, could be, I suppose. Um, yeah, these things happen. Early. I'm going for my shot tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. fantastic! It's it's. I'm hoping this thing happens really quickly, and they've. They've opened things up. I'm trying to think of where they've opened them up. I, I know in the states they've opened it up down to was it 12, 16 years old now? Just come and get your shot. I think it's to 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 yeah. It, they've just opened it up, and I also know of a couple of places along the border. I, I want to say it's the like the Blackfoot Nation or something, yeah, an and Indigenous Nation has opened it up and allowing Canadians to come across the border between Alberta and Montana. Yeah, that, yeah, to to get the shots. That's fantastic too. Just to be able to open the doors like that and say, yeah, come on down. Do they have to come back in quarantine for 14 days? No, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I thought that too, but uh, I was again, watching the news this morning and they actually said, wow. no. Did you, did you hear about the gentleman from Edmonton that tried to take his kayak over the border and then sent off the U S uh, officials on an eight hour trek <laughs> and manhunt through him in the bushes. No. no. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. That sometime this week. So I think he tried to do it through Montana or something, take his kayak through over the border. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he got away for a little bit, but I think he was. That's incredible. I yeah. I think actually what you have to do is just go to the border and stand there and put your shoulder across the border and then just jab <laughs> you. And someone's you there. <laughs> someone's there jabbing you. I know with this, uh, this, um, the indigenous one going on in Montana, they they've actually set it up. Yep, they had a station and stuff like that. And they said we'll do this again in uh, was it twenty one days? Oh really? Yeah, yeah. They said we'll do this in twenty one days, so you can come back for your second shot. I was oh, like, that's brilliant. That is just awesome. Too awesome. And it's going to take us another eight months to get our second shots. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So there you go. A little bit of banter about absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, we'll get into a little bit of tech talk. I'm going to. Uh, you know, move things over to uh, to Sean. Sean, just sort of an overall, what's uh, what's been happening uh, this past uh, couple of weeks here, and uh, you know, well, we're just hurrying up to wait. <laughs> Isn't that been the case this entire year? Still waiting for the vaccines to get rolled out so we can get back to normal soccer. But we've been doing some stuff with our Phoenix groups and looking to do stuff with the the uh, community groups moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the two guys will give you more details as we go along. Yeah, and there's been nothing really from the, the AHS as far as uh, how they might roll things out. I know numbers are really high at the moment, but... N- yeah, nothing. They're still trying to figure out what's exactly. going on. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, okay, we'll spin it off here. Dano, you want to take uh, charge of... Uh, 
the Phoenix and uh, what we've sort of been going through. I know programming started up and uh, everyone's so excited to be on the pitch again. Um, how are things rolling out for? for I, the I just want to. Oh, I just want to welcome ahead. Dano back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I thought Dano had went to a higher level show. You know, just like Spurs tried to get in the European Super League. Ooh, <laughs> we'll get we'll get to the Super yeah, League okay. here in our next segment, but. Uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Well, you know, I actually got a phone call. People were asking, who's this Dano character from TSN? And they were like, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I've never heard of him before. <laughs> well, I, I actually thought that, you know, with your producer knowledge and quality, I thought that you're actually producing Lindsay's podcast now. So, yeah, it doesn't, hey. doesn't she have like 7,000 listeners or something crazy like that? Yeah, every time she counts them up, she says, "Hey, make sure you tell DW how many listeners I have." She's pretty proud of that. Well, are they are they in Kazakhstan? Because <laughs> I feel like no, they're go. not. They're actually Canadian or American, but not, doesn't have the global audience that we do. So we reach all the corners of the globe, the corners that I'm not even sure if they really they really exist, but we reach them anyway. We do. I, I tell you, I I was watching the other week and. Again, there was a, a multitude of listeners for the last podcast. Very appreciative of the fact of the, the people that are tuning in. And uh, it was, I can't remember what part of Russia it was, but it was a kind of an obscure place in Russia, but it was great. The, the Russian part. <laughs> the Russian part of Russia, exactly. It's rather large, but uh, <laughs> it, it's... You can't. You can't say right now that there might not be a billboard of your face in Russia right now. <laughs> yeah, with people throwing things at it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Um, Let's go yeah, to, the, onto the, onto onto the Phoenix. Phoenix. Yes. It's, it's been good. We're almost wrapping up our third week of, we'll deem it preseason, but I think we're going to be in the preseason phase for a little while. But we've been out at Emeralds for going into our third week. Um, we've opened up the weekend training, so to allow teams to be training out there. Um, being led by the technical leads a couple times a week and then off at either Nottingham or Rainbow Park for to have the team sessions. Um, our PDP program has been going really well um, out at Emerald Hills. And a little bit of time spent at camp at St. John. Um, got two new technical leads, well, three technically, um, but two new staff, which is DW and D, working with the U11s and u 15 So that's been great to have you guys out. Um, and we've just had Victor... Um, Karosan, I believe, is uh, just joined us for the U15 role as well. So, uh, former U of A player, former Golden Bears, got some experience there in coaching over in Europe, being a connection through D. So, we're happy to have him part of our program. Um, and yeah, I think for the most part, the kids have been enjoying being on the field. We've obviously had to make sure we're following all the protocols and guidelines for social distance training, which we've reminded players and staff this week, which has been good. And then next week we shift over to Millennium. It kind of feels like home a little bit, and that's when the summer season uh, kicks off. So still waiting to see what happens with AHS and getting into league play, but um, it's nice to be back on the field and less Zoom sessions. So, no, it's been good. Yeah, it's, it's um, obviously bringing Victor on. The decision was made to pull me out to bring the average age down of tech leads. Uh, you know, you know something though. Sean's Sean's stint and uh, as a tech lead lasted just as long as the European Super League. <laughs> we'll talk more about that later on in the show. <laughs> um, 
that's fantastic though and i and yeah I, I mean being out there it's it's been a lot of fun actually being out there with the with the group and uh, and i know d's said the same thing and uh it's it's just good to see the kids out there and enjoying themselves and and playing the sport we all love that um you know all we can do is hope that things go along smoothly with regards to this vaccination process so by the time we actually hit officially summer we can um although i've looked outside this morning and it was uh, a little rainy and cold it snowed the other night on pitch it snowed but anyway so hopefully things will go move along there um anything else you want to add on there uh, Daniel? or you know i don't don't think so i mean i think once we hit millennium place we'll have a little bit more updates um with the implementation of our first line program and our bridge program we're gonna um look to have those companies work with us outdoors for the most part uh first line might still be indoors but we're just trying to work that out right now but no besides that it's been good yeah, I, I think what I'm going to, I'd like to do is reiterate to everybody listening in that we can't become complacent with the COVID protocols that are going on with AHS and the ASA. We have to follow these protocols. And I know, um, you know, it, it, we kind of, t- we tend to get complacent. We're back on the pitch. We're feeling excited. We want to you know, train, we're, we're trying, we're kind of sticking to the protocols, but not always doing so. So uh, for those of you that are listening in that are coaches, uh, uh, please, and parents understand that there's protocols that are still in place that we have to follow until this thing is uh, officially done with and out of our hands. So um, let's stick with it. Let's bear down and, and make sure that we follow these things so we can uh, get on with uh, the proper programming come summertime. Yeah. All right, D. Yeah, D. Uh, anything you want to? Well, and not anything. Yeah. Tell me about the community, baby. Yeah, well, I'll just I'll just start off first with just saying, you know, absolutely, you know, buzzing about being able to to jump in with the the U11 girls um, age group. Um, we've got some absolutely fantastic coaches um, there, and and you know, we sat down and had a nice uh, Zoom call, talked a little bit about. Um, the vision and collaborated really to to all you know put some input on what we want to be able to get out of the entire age group and and how we're going to work together to do it and yeah had an opportunity to work with all three three groups now and and yeah I'm just you know the quality's there and um, the great thing about the the girls at that at that age is that they're they're just they they're they're in it. They're in it. They want more. They're keen, aren't they're they? They're keen, and they're yeah. They're just super fun to work with. So yeah, yeah absolutely buzzing about that. And and like I said, we can't do it without the the coaching staff that we have. So there's I believe about eight nine um, coaches, assistant coaches there, and and they're buying in, and I'm, I'm loving it so far. It's only been a couple of weeks, but it's been great, and I look forward looking forward for the rest of the the time with them, and and kind of seeing how this goes, and then yeah. you know potentially see where where things happen. So that's awesome. Age group, uh, so. Yeah, delighted about it. About it. So yeah, it's good. And um, in terms of the community program, yeah. um, what's the word of the what's the word of the pandemic? Pivot? Is it pivot? Pivot. <laughs> pivot. pivot. Sounds like we're moving furniture. <laughs> so, yeah, no. was it? that's a that's a that's friends fr- from the friends. friends. Yeah, <laughs> pivot, pivot. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, we sent out an email um, April twelfth, I believe it was. Uh, letting our community members know that, you know, we have a tentative start date of, of May 10th. Um, 
to to run a, a normal program. Obviously, with the way things are going, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to run a normal season on that start date. Um, however, we've you know collectively uh, come up with um, some some alternative um, programming. programming. Yeah. So, uh, what you'll what people can look forward to is that you know we'll have a May tenth start date for a physically distanced program for the U nine and 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 up. Um, just like we ran through the modified training in in the indoor season, mm-hmm. and then um, we're looking to to potentially plan for another outdoor season that will be a foot season, a, a a summer and a fall season, if you want to call it. Um, taking taking the a page out of the CPL, maybe. Well, and you know what, you know what though. I, I, I since I've lived here in Alberta, it's it's dumbfounded me, and and it's obviously because I don't. I didn't grow up here, so I don't know how things usually worked within seasons with within programs. But I, I could never understand because the, the weather here is fantastic, probably up until October, and why we didn't utilize or why the, the you know uh, soccer yeah. didn't utilize those time frames. Now I understand about people going away and all that sort of yeah. stuff. That's fully understandable, but there's got to be some other reasons behind it you'd think or yeah. I, I know with the winter season running so long I, it's a tough one it's a tough question yeah, i guess tradition traditionally the the community program you know runs in the outdoor season only runs until the end of june it goes may june and yeah. it's two two months mm-hmm. and then we don't uh, get kick off again until until mid-october until we're in the indoor season so yeah. there's a there's a lot of time there and there's there's opportunities for us to be a little bit more creative so we're gonna run our first part of the season in you know starting June again. Knock on wood that we're able yeah. to to get back on field, and then you know September will be the second half of the season, running a little bit in from September, running into um, the end of end of the month, and potentially some October dates. Maybe we'll see. Um, and then in between that, uh, we're gonna offer some academy programming, uh, just kind of like we did uh, last year with. The modified training again. We're going to offer you know a program in July and August. Yeah. Um, hopefully, that's not physically distance. It probably won't be if we're going to be running a program in June. So, there's going to be options for our membership, and I think that was one of the things we wanted to create um, moving forward is to have some options throughout those summer months as well because mm-hmm. we saw some some positivity from that from last year. And not to forget about our U4 to U7 program. We were, we're coming up with a strategy for them within May. Um, just still working out the details about how we're going to roll that out um, within the that first month here. But we hope to have them in that you know split season window as well. So mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. And that's kind of the tech talk for what's been going on in the last uh, week or so since we last spoke and uh, information from from all around here to, to give you an idea of what the club's doing and how we're uh, best trying to set up programming for the times and <laughs> what's been going on here. Um, we're actually going to take our first break here. And when we come back, we're going to launch into a couple of different things, a couple of different thoughts. And, and, and some of this comes from working with these groups already. Um, in particular, some of the older age groups, the players are starting to think about futures and where they're headed what they would like to do maybe in the future um where they would like to play college wise university wise age groups to get involved with so we've got a few questions to to try and answer and just to try and talk through just to hear the different points of views from the uh, expert panelists here in the (laughs) 
confines of our... Where, where are they? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're they're going to come in. I can see them standing outside the door. <laughs> so we'll be right back. You're listening to Soccer Talk of the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Today's podcast is sponsored by Mr. Lube, taking care of your car on your schedule, not ours. Mr. Lube. That is correct. We're back. This is Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Ah, yes. Dan, are you still on the line? I'm still here, buddy. Wow. I'm surprised. I haven't shifted it to a just yet. <laughs> um, so, you know, throughout the the training that we've been doing, and I know it's only three weeks long, I have, and I'm sure you guys as well have heard this from time to time within the programming, is what I need to do as an athlete to better prepare myself for moving on beyond where we're at, whether it be a tier two player moving on to tier one, whether it be a player who's coming to the end of their youth programming and want to getting into to college or university. Um, there's just a myriad. Oh, wow. I've used another word there. A myriad <laughs> of uh, opportunities and things you need to really start to focus on um, to prepare yourself to move on and the things you need to do try and make that adjustment so you're ready for it when you take that step and move into that next level. Um, so there's a whole bunch of ways to try and stay on top of your game. But I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm putting that one out there to get everyone's thoughts here as to what you think players should be. And, and I'm sure most of it or a lot of it will be the same thing. We'll have the same sort of thoughts, but uh, there might be a different methodology behind your thoughts. So I'll start with you, Sean. What do you what do you think as far as players preparing themselves to try and get to another get level? Get better. Yeah, it's quite simple. Yeah, you have to get better. Yeah, uh, and if you think you've made it, you haven't yet, and you got to keep working on it. Um, obviously, technically, you, you can always improve your technical ability, and that's just by repetition. It's not by expecting your coach to give it to you. It's about you putting the time in, getting against a brick wall, passing the ball to the brick wall, receiving it, turning, you know, all those types of things, getting getting a buddy or your parents and knock, knock long passes, you know, so you, you know how to curl it, swerve it, dip it, all, all that type of thing to get a good range of passing and then do some fitness work on your own. I mean, at the end of the day, the best players will do it themselves. It's not It's not necessarily the coaching they're going to get from a technical perspective in particular. They have to spend time on the ball and do it on their own with their buddies or their parents, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's from the technical aspect. From a t- tactical aspect, I mean, obviously listen to your coach and learn different ways to play the game, different scenarios, how are you going to react to that scenario? And it's just a matter of learning. And listen to what people have to say to you. Yeah, I mean it's it's quite simple uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you have to do that and play at the highest level possible. Don't say, okay, I I don't want to go at the next level right now. I want to leave it. No, you go at the next level right now and get challenged every single practice, every single game. 
Yeah. Dano, what are your thoughts on, on just the getting to that next step? You, as, a, as your own self, um, got to a fairly decent high level. So, uh, sorry, and I don't mean to use the word decent, you know, frivolously. You know what I mean? Fairly decent. No. Fair- <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait for the last stops, and then I'll start to talk. Okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry. No, um, yeah, I think you know, Sean touched on it a little bit, but I think the biggest piece is, motivation motivation and have a passion for something like anything in life if you have a passion for something and you're going to be motivated to do well and succeed and you're going to have to do that hard work of fitness on your own extra touches getting out with a a friend or a teammate whatever case and you have to do you have to put the extra work in you just do right and it's not when you know you're putting on social media or you're not doing it in front of everybody you're doing it when you're on your own and nobody's watching right so that's how you're going to have to improve so i think there's a big onus on, on young players that want to develop to make sure that they're they're putting in that work. Um, I know for myself, I I probably am um, a huge proponent of that just because that that was kind of my pathway. I never was, you know, I was provincial player, top 11, 12, 13, 14. I wasn't necessarily a starter when I first got into the program, but I just worked at my game. You know, I went into a soccer academy for my high school, got more touches on the ball. I, I fell into the national training program. Like, I just played all the time and I just, I just think it's huge for kids that they have to be motivated to do it because, you know, even the kids that feel that, Oh, I like soccer. It's great. And I love it when I go to my training, it's like, what are you doing off the field? So that's the big one for me, motivation and having a passion to improve. Um, when you look at kids shifting into maybe post-secondary or the next level, um, a little bit stems from again, having a little bit of a plan and motivation. You have to, we have some players currently right now or oh fours that, have to lend themselves to getting video done of themselves, reaching out, putting yourself out to the coaches, learning the process. We've had um, a connection with Sean and the Whitecaps to then and do some webinars for our kids, which has been great. And, and they're going through, they're learning the process. So again, that's taking time and being purposeful to say, hey, this is where I want to get. What are the tools that um, I need to have to get there? Uh, if I can just add one thing. Um, I t- both Dan and I have talked about, you know, do it yourself. Like mm-hmm. train on your own. We're not talking about having 15 standardized training sessions organized by coaches, etc. This is getting out into the park on your own, working with the ball, working with, with a friend or, or your parents or your siblings. But that unstructured learning is what's required. Not going to every academy under the sun and going For sure. 15 sessions a week. Yeah. It's about do not doing it on your own. There's a, there's a some type of a saying out there. I, I see it posted every so often, once in a while, and, and it's usually a coach that posts it. It's it's something to the effect of, uh, it's not the work you do when you're with your team. It's it's what people don't see the work you do away from the game um, <clears throat> that truly makes the difference between. You know, they, I, I think the caption was between achieving and not achieving, or something like that. So. Uh, D, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that uh, I think the Sean and and Dano nailed it for sure. The only the only thing that I can add to that would be um, be true to yourself as a person um, and understand your pathway. You know, you might be involved in a team that have players that you know have different motivations than you do and want to get to the next level, whether it be college, university, pro am, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Know what you want, understand what you want, and where you want to get there. 
and don't lie to yourself or or say that you want to achieve all these things just to be a part of the mix. You have to understand where you're getting. I also think, um, and a lot of a lot of parents and players don't think this. We all can't be Messi. We all can't be Ronaldo, but we can be Vincent Company, a big centre back that played for Man City. Mm-hmm. You know, a quality player. He did his job. You know, so at some point you have to realise what your limits are, and you and deal with that. And you can make a good living out of the game being a Vincent Company, not just a Messi. So that's important as well that that we understand where we are, and what our attributes are to help us improve and get to the next level of play. Yeah, I I, I think, uh, and I'm only saying it because I've kind of gone through it with the, some of the groups I've been working with recently, and it and it's it's as you've meant, alluded to, D. It's it's taking stock of your own self and and understanding that. This is going to be a bit of work. There is going to be some sacrifice involved with you trying to achieve your goals. So it may be, okay, I can't hang out with this friend tonight because I need to work on myself and do something a little bit more. Or I may miss this school dance, this one school dance to move on. I had a large conversation with uh, a former national team pro player, um, and she alluded to that. She was talking about how there was there was a lot of sacrifice but it wasn't sacrifice like she was missing everything she still got to do things but she knew that when she needed to work or if there was a session she would go to she wouldn't blow off the session or you know say oh i can't do this because she wanted to achieve she wanted to get better at what she was doing so that type of thing i i really think kids need to try and understand and some of them take a little longer to make that thought process happen that switch to go on within them to to go oh okay now i get this i get what i i kind of need to do if i really want to achieve and then it's taking that next step and saying how much can i push my own boundaries to really make sure you you get to that next level yeah i mean a big a big one nowadays is screen time right um you can get encapsulated on your phone on your on your tablet on your on your laptop you know, and hours and hours and hours will go by and, and potentially you haven't done anything. Yeah. Like you've just watched videos and TikToks and, and, and things like that as players. And all of a sudden three hours has gone by. It's like yeah. you would have taken 15 minutes out of those three hours and, and self-motivate yourself to go out and into the backyard. You know, you're, you're already ahead of the game with some other people. So, yeah. but I, Hey, I've done it myself. I can get, you can get, you know, locked in and you're like, Oh my God, like what just happened? I, yeah. you know, so it's there's different challenges for sure. Yeah, I think you know what's interesting is I went down to Calgary last week to see my grandkids for the first time in a few months, and um, I was amazed. I went past a couple of fields and there's kids on their own training, and I thought, yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know that people are doing that, and that yeah. our game now is taking hold in this country big time with people wanting to improve themselves. So. I think there's I think there's definitely players out there that are doing that, and uh, if you want to get to the highest level possible for you, you have to do that. Yeah, I, I mean it, it, it's it's the simple thing. You just have to make the choice, uh, and that can be difficult for for teens and what is it, tweens? I guess in between there, when they start having to try and make their own decision as to what direction they want to go for 
whether it be sports or whatever it is. But the type of things we're talking about lend itself to life in general. I mean, if you want to achieve at anything, it, it takes work to get there. Um, it just doesn't come to you. I mean, sure, there are going to be some factors where that kind of happens, and that's luck more than anything else. But if you truly work and hone your craft, whatever that may be, you'll achieve in life, period. So, I mean, that's definitely something you need to be looking at. Yeah, and I think some of the, you know, the, the, some of the advice that I can give, you know, you know, young athletes is that there's a place for you to play if if you are if you are willing to 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 move forward with it. You don't need to be the top two players on your team to to go out potentially to play post secondary. Mm-hmm. There's there are a lot of options just just within our province where you can go to different colleges and universities and be able to get there. And you might not have to be the the best player. An example I can give you is that we had uh, a couple community players graduate from our community program and went on to play uh, college ball at uh, Augustana. And they went to, they went to school there, mm. right? They still went, but they're tier four players. Yeah. So if you're a tier one or tier two player, tier three player, there's, there is a pathway for you. So don't just think that, oh, I'm not, I'm not good as so-and-so. So, well, I'm not going to ever make it. Yeah. Have some belief and just stay stuck in. Well, that was just what Sean just alluded to with the whole Vincent company instead of yeah. being Messi or, or, or Ronaldo. Uh, yeah, and, you know, Messi was a grassroots player. Every single player that plays at the highest level of this game start off in grassroots. Mm. And it can happen for any player to move on to higher levels of play if they put the work in. Yeah. Dan, or Dano, any, anything you'd like to add to that? No, I think you guys have kind of nailed it on the, on the nails ahead. So I think it's good. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm making, I'm making you look bad, Dano. I apologize. That's Dano's been totally fine here. We've been blabbing. So, <laughs> um, listen. You know, already we're going to take our next break. When we come back, we'll we'll talk a little bit about again how we, a little bit more succinct as, as far as the way we could help players to get to that next level. I don't know. I'm babbling now. I'm going to knock this off. You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll be right back. Today's podcast is sponsored by Mr. Lube. Taking care of your car on your schedule, not ours. Mr. Lube. Yes, you're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association, joined in studio by Sean Lother, Dee Govender, and on the phone, Dan O'Drummond. Do you like the way I said that? Dan O'Drummond. It's a great intro, he does. Well, with the name Dano, we could... No, I won't even go there. I could. I was going to go off and... Anyways, it doesn't matter. Well, when we last left you, we were talking about uh, how youth players, younger players can change their mindsets or try and change their mindsets if they really want to achieve and um, many different fashions and ways to go about that. But part of that is, uh, as Sean uh, was talking about earlier, the the tactical side of the game. 
So how do you how do you get better at understanding the tactical side? The technical we can we can sort of figure that one out where you're out on the pitch on your own with either friends or family or just even a wall and and knocking a ball turning all that sort of stuff where you can work on the technical end. But how do you work on the tactical end of it? And for me, a lot of that would come down to the visual. Um, there is so much soccer football on TV right now that you can actually see highlights on YouTube's games on YouTube that you can see both female and male games that you can, you know, sort of touch base with. And, and you can even break it down to talk about, you know, corner kicks or crossing or different aspects of the game that if you struggle with mentally, you could watch. What are you guys thoughts on, on visually? I mean, we were, we weren't as lucky, you and I. There wasn't a ton. Well, you might have been because you grew up in England. But for me here, I had like this one-hour German weekly football that was on like Channel 9, the old school stuff. Right, Dano? Do you remember that? No, I don't remember. I just remember you and Charles speaking about it on every podcast. Yeah, well, thanks for making me feel even older. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but literally, that was the only thing you saw on TV. It was like some weird Sunday morning at... You know, like 2 a.m. or no, it wasn't that early, but it was like 9 a.m. And, and, and I would you flick around all of a sudden this on KCPQ, the community channel nine station or whatever it was at the then. It was just crazy. Just not enough. But what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, obviously now you have all the games that get streamed on the internet and then on t- regular TV as well. But also you can just go to YouTube and just type in whatever you want and there'll be lots and lots of clips and analysis of, of what goes on my advice to to ki- to kids is to watch watch games but hone in on the players that are playing your position and see what they do with the ball without the ball in the transition of winning the ball to go forward or losing it to defend what the players in your position do with all those different scenarios and just analyze that you know i mean i, I grew up with a guy called charlie cook as my Idol, he was a left winger. I ended up being a right back, completely different to him. But I loved the way he took players on, and I try and emulate that. And I wasn't very good at that, so that's why I became a defender. But you know, you have to watch. You have to watch what those best players in the world are doing, both male and female, and try and emulate that and, and learn from what they do. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Dano? Um. Yeah, I think Sean kind of spot on there. I do think you want to watch players that you kind of want to emulate and, and obviously position specific, but like you said earlier, there's so much screen time and you can spend three hours on social media or Snapchat or TikTok or whatever. But as these players are getting to the agent stage where, you know, they're getting more tactical information, there's so much information available to them and there's programs um, that have uploaded videos like coach paint where they can highlight players of, what they should be doing in certain zones or areas of the pitch. Like there's just, there's so much information out there for kids. So yeah, it can be a bit of an overload, but if you're getting at that agent stage where it's starting to make sense and you're starting to gain more knowledge of, of tactics and whatnot and what certain individuals or players or positions are supposed to be doing, I think the the world's your oyster. There's just so much information, information that I didn't have growing up. You, the best we had is, yeah, you watch games and, even in the late 90s with World Cup, you'd video VCR, record all the games, and then watch them later as well. So, um, yeah, it still goes back to me to having a motivation, right? Kids are going to sit on the couch and play FIFA, or they're going to sit down and watch this a, a couple hours a week, depending on 
very interested in their motivation. So it comes back to that for me. And if I can just add one more thing sure. before it goes to, to D for his words of wisdom. <laughs> um, most importantly, and I'll, I'll say this wholeheartedly, kids have to go out and watch them play live. Watch, go to FC Edmonton games. And this isn't a, an advertisement for FC Edmonton. This is to, to learn. But watch what players do off the ball. Because on TV, you sometimes miss that. Yeah, true enough. You know, so it's if the ball's 50 yards away and you're, you're a right fullback, what should you be doing? You know, it should be should become a spectator, or should you be organizing your back four? So things like that. But you can only see that when you when you see them live. True, true. Yeah, um, I, I love all of that. It's it's brilliant, and and you know, I'm I'm gonna take it back a, a little bit and just say, listen to your coaches. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. You know, your coaches, especially at the levels that you're at, they're gonna have you know their their style of play. They're gonna have their their way that they you want to do things. Everything is purposeful when you're in your training sessions. You're not just running a drill to run a drill. The coaches don't do that anymore. You know, you could be doing an activity that, that inco- incorporates pressing. Well, are you really tuned in to how you are going to translate that from the session into the game mm-hmm. aspect of things from a small-sided um, from a small-sided activity into now 11-a-side game or 7-a-side game, whatever that you're playing, mm-hmm. and being able to, to get that. So, you know, the coachability aspect of your players is, or of you as youth players are, are massive. Yeah. Now... For me, it's it's when I see players play or when you're looking at players and thinking in your own mind, does this player have that ability to move on to the next level? Part of that when you're doing analysis of yourself in games is is knowing what their soccer IQ is. So there's a lot of players out there that I see that are extremely skilled. For me, it's more on the goalkeeping end of it because uh, that's obviously been my forte for the longest time. I can see players that have got incredible ability and talent, are you know, physically capable of playing the position, but mentally their soccer IQ is, is not where it needs to be in order for them to achieve. So soccer IQ, if, for me, is just that understanding of the game, whether it be at the level you're at now currently, and that's you know, for everyone's age appropriateness, or can you think beyond that? Do you actually think through yourself as a player, what needs to happen in front of you, what you're seeing in front of you. And I only say it from the from the perspective as a keeper, but I know it's the same thing as like Sean was alluding to, where you have to watch your position-specific areas of the park when you're watching games. Uh, I'm chuckling here on, on the side because it takes me back to, you know, my dad's a big Manchester United fan, and, and I have, you know... <laughs> And I have the, you know, the glory of, you know, listening to, listening to him, you know, yell at the TV like we all do when we're watching <laughs> our teams. And he's got, he's got the term of, you know, no wonder you're not a rocket scientist and a footballer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it goes down to the IQ of the game. It's, you know, it's, it's understanding what's in front of you. And just like we said, so I'm, that just took me back a little bit. So I was laughing about well, that. Well, no, and it's <laughs> funny to see how, because you see it in the eyes. You can tell when a player gets what a coach is talking about or understands the concept that you're trying to put out in front of them. And, and then you can also see the glazed over look of, of players that are at training sessions. And it's not necessarily because they're bored of what you're saying. It could have been something that happened in school. could have been all the other things that go on to, to making up what an individual is. But it's how do I get them to focus on that so they can 
increase their soccer IQ, you know? Uh, it just comes, as Dano said, motivation. Yeah. At the end of the day, do you want it or do you not want it? Yeah, true enough. Mm-hmm. True enough. That's definitely the way it could the way it needs to be. And, and, and that's, if it's one thing we can actually say to, to players out there, you know, if you truly want to achieve you, it's going to take some work and you have to, as we've just said, you have to want to, to, to move on and to do things like that. Make sense. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Speaking of sense and nonsense, let's go about the super league. <laughs> what happened to that? So if I'll you, let you, you explain to me what the Super League was supposed to be. If you were in a coma for two days, you, would, you <laughs> wouldn't even know what was happening. Nothing would so. have happened. But no, they, there's, been talk, there's been talk about a Super League. Now we're going back to all the European leagues out there, whether it's Scotland, England, Spain, all the different places that play. And Italy. Okay, you happy, Steve? Italy. <laughs> um, so we, we've, uh, we, they, they were going to try and make a Super League, were they not? Yeah, I'll let Dano chime in for a bit. Dano's the king of understanding this. Go <laughs> ahead, Dano. I, you know what? I, man, where do I start? It was. I <laughs> felt like it was just. A, I just felt like it was a waste of time. It was on every social media. It was just everywhere. Was like my my group chats was just nothing but the Super League. And I looked at this and I thought, there's no way that this is going to happen if the Premier League's going to say no, and these teams are going to have to lose the Premier League. Now, the more I learned about it, I thought, well, these owners are business people, and I don't think they're trying to create a, a U.S. model. And um, I'm like, maybe they will. And then it started to creep in to think, what's the Premier League going to look like? And what's English football going to look like if you pull these six teams out? I'm like, it, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. So I think the fans speaking up and showing the, their, the impact and the power they can have and then seeing the collapse about 24 to 48 hours later was absolutely perfect. Um Hearing from Real Madrid's president, who I think was kind of a little bit of the, the president of the Super League or whatever the case is, is that it's on pause right now. There's still plans to go ahead. Um, I think he made the comment that all the le- all the teams that have dropped out from the Premier League have, have said they're going to drop out, but it's going to cost a lot of money at the same time. So that's going to be interesting. I think I think the worst thing about this is that in the midst of a pandemic, no fans are at football. Obviously, the economy and people are going through very, very difficult times. To have these billionaires sitting, you know, behind a screen and going on these secret calls that you wait for, FIFA weren't even aware of, to create this Super League just to drop it on like a Sunday night out of nowhere. It, it kind of felt, it kind of felt like you were watching a TV show. It just, it seemed like it was reality TV. So I'm happy it collapsed. Um, I, I think you know you need to leave competition for competition. Leicester is a perfect story. You're seeing them getting breaking into the Champions League. Obviously, they won the league a few years ago. So you need to you don't need to buy your way into a league. You need to make sure that you're in there um, and keeping the sport the way it is. So I'm glad it collapsed. That's for sure. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Eddie? Uh, first of all, I mean Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> Seriously, seriously. What do you? Why do you think Spurs? Do you want to bring in Arsenal? Why Arsenal? Well, uh, why not Newcastle United? Well, seriously, if if you if you compare Newcastle United to Tottenham Hotspur (laughs) since their existence, Newcastle United have won a lot more trophies than Tottenham Hotspur. They haven't won anything in fifty years, but at least (laughs) you know they do that, right? No, I mean. Seriously, it's it's been around for years that this 
There should be a like European a, Super League okay. of some type. It's it's been talked about since the right. 60s and the 70s. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no question about that. But, uh, I mean, the Premiership is such a quality league, you know, bringing millions and millions and billions of pounds. I mean, how much more do they want? Like, how much more money do the top clubs want? I think yeah. I think it's ludicrous that they're talking about going into this league and then really affecting the pyramid below them. Mm-hmm. And I understand, you know, some of the, uh, the guys involved with this are saying, we're going to give more to the grassroots than what they're getting right now. That's fair enough, but, uh, I mean, the whole point of competition in soccer in Europe and the rest of the world other than North America is you earn your way into that those top levels. Mm-hmm. And to have a closed shop is absolutely ludicrous. It, sh- it shouldn't have been talked about, and I'm glad the fans stepped up and say, no, this is not going to happen, because well, it shouldn't happen. Well, I mean, and you have the Champions League, which has been going on recently. That's all club-based, mm-hmm. So, and you end up with the top clubs going through. Is Tottenham there? No. Uh, you have the top <laughs> clubs going through. <laughs> Sorry, Tano, I'm kidding. Um, so, I mean, it, wouldn't that be classed as... A competition or a league on its own, like it's a it's a lengthy competition. It is. I, th- I think the argument is that the Champions League was not generating enough money for these big clubs. That that's what it's all about. Yeah, fair they, enough. They, they said they could have a better business model to have to create more money or generate more money for soccer in general. Mm-hmm. That's the argument. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's true. I don't know. But the intrigue of, of soccer throughout the world is, you know, promotion relegation. I mean, there's so many good quality games. It's involving Newcastle, Newcastle United a lot of the time at the bottom of the table trying to stay up. Well, I was just saying you know that what they're I mean? nine so, points clear at the moment. So, I mean, yeah, they, they, they'll, they'll probably stay up, I would imagine. And they drew us, so, you know. And I'm just, I'm, you know, I, I, I actually thinking about West Ham being in the top yeah, six. West so is West Ham going to go in the Super League? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... Uh, let's just let's just be honest. The dream, you know, when it when it comes to some of those smaller type clubs getting promoted to, you know, the uh, the Premiership or you know getting promoted from a, a lower league in in one of those countries, like that dream kind of kind of goes away a little bit for for them. And if you talk about this European Super League, um, it's it's shocking. Yeah, it's absolutely shocking. But I I, I look at the state of of football right now. And I think we, I think we talked a little bit about this um, a couple of podcasts ago about where's English football players getting developed? Are they getting developed at the top clubs anymore, or does a Jesse Lingard need to go to West Ham United to? What a difference for that club to, to, since he's been there. Yeah, to come back out of his shell. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of questions asked. Number one, it was revolved around money. And yes, okay, you can make the argument that Real Madrid versus Ludo Goretz on a Tuesday <laughs> e- evening is is probably not the the most entertaining fixture. But yeah, I just don't think you mess. You don't think you mess with something that you. Why, if it's not broke, why fix it, right? I, I don't know. I just I'm not a believer of it. Yeah, no, fair enough. I I, I think that's uh, some valid points from everybody in regards to a league like that. But it's like you said. Sean, it's all monetarily driven. Well, it's one hundred percent. It is, you know, and and it's not surprising that probably seventy five percent of the ownership of those top clubs are Americans. 
you know, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? The Americans and they're used to the closed system that which the NFL has and the NBA. Yeah, and, uh, you can get in if you have the money to get in. It's yeah, nothing of course. To do with with the ability of the team at that time, you know. So, in my opinion, it, it was the wrong move to do. Is there merit to it based on financial implications? Yeah, probably. But you know, me growing up in England, Aston Villa won the uh, European Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Nottingham Forest won the European Cup. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't just the big clubs that won it back in the day. Mm-hmm. I know it's difficult for those teams to win it right now, but there's still a chance for them to win it, and that's what the sport is about. Yeah, and that's that's where, like, all the FA Cup stuff is so exciting because you get these, you know, apparently lower-level teams yeah. being able to have that opportunity, you know. Yeah. I think they've they've actually implemented that with the Canadian Championship, the Amway, which hasn't – I haven't seen hide nor hair of that in quite some time, but there's, you know, they have, like, League One in Ontario and Quebec or have those opportunities to play against CPL teams and then on to – the MLS franchise. Well, even in the United States with the U.S. Open Cup, you know, we had Alan... True, yeah. Alan, Alan Koshon from FC Edmonton. I mean, he was with Cincinnati that did so well mm-hmm. in the U.S. Open Cup beating some of the uh, mm-hmm. MLS teams, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's definitely something that Canada Soccer wants to do. They want to create a Canadian Open Cup for, you know, Edmonton Scottish and the Alberta Major Soccer League to go on and perhaps beat... FC Edmonton and then beat the Vancouver Whitecaps and get the you know yeah. around you know so it's definitely intriguing to have that underdog winning games and it makes the sport that much more exciting. Wouldn't that be amazing to see a team from this region move on to like yeah. the, the big national stage and and uh, it'd just be so exciting to see. It'll be pretty brilliant. I I think when you when we just talked back a little bit about the European Super League, it was like I don't know the perfect smokescreen for. For UEFA, because you know, a, a few days later, UEFA um, you know, announced their new Champions League format with that we're going to have additional teams and additional games. And if you talk to some of the top managers, they were against amount the amount of games that their their clubs had to play anyway. Mm-hmm. So you you wonder if there was no announcement of this European Super League, how would people have, re- have reacted to the announcement of UEFA uh, expanding the Champions League format? So, yeah, it's interesting. Talk about a, a marketing communication disaster. <laughs> this was it. I mean, how can, how can billionaires that run massive, massive companies get this so wrong with their, their communication plan? Uh, because the outrage that happened because of this announcement was quite incredible, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and that's, that's a go ahead, Daniel, you were about to say? No, it just, it came, it came out of nowhere. Like it, it formalized out of nowhere because yeah, there was rumors about it, but it wasn't building up to something. It just kind of happened at the a drop of a hat and everybody's like, is this for real? Is this, is this a joke? Like what's going on? Is it April 1st? Like yeah. I don't think anybody could really, really believe it. I think what's silly from the owners is that they went and did this and they pulled out without within 48 hours and issued an apology. But the damage has been done for a lot of fans and they want their owners out. And like, it, it's just, there was not a lot of foresight in, into this at all in regards to tapping into, I mean, the managers, the coaches didn't know about it. There was yeah. rumors that Jose Marino got fired because he refused to train the players once this got announced and mm-hmm. the owner said, then you're out. Like, I just think it caused a, a huge rift in the football world for those couple of days. Yeah, it's so funny because um, Jamie Carragher, I was listening to Jamie Carragher and he's, you know, very, very passionate person. And 
is listening to him and say that Jurgen Klopp, the, the, the FSG doesn't run this club. Jurgen Klopp runs this club. And if Jurgen mm-hmm. Klopp is not behind it, the fans will have the group, the, the ownership group out within a week. And he was not mm-hmm. wrong about it. It was crazy. I, I don't understand then how, well, I mean, I mean, Mourinho wasn't, hasn't had the best of seasons this year, but, uh, and nothing against. Hey, got him to a cup final. Yeah, they wanted, no, they wanted to win. True trophies. enough, I, I'm, I'm just a couple. Well, I'm, no, I'm, I'm going to get heated. Dan is going to get heated. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm wondering, Dan, <laughs> no, you, you, you probably have more of an insight, Dano. But uh, the, but the thought is, is that was that just a, a catalyst, an easier way of getting him out? You know, if he refused I, to do that, if other managers were thinking the same way. Yeah, and I mean, there is rumors, right? And the next rumor is as good as the next one. But I, I did hear something along the lines that that was that was part of it. I also heard. I mean, our owner is a shrewd businessman and good for him in that sense, but it doesn't doesn't lend itself well for getting, you know, results on the pitch and quality on the pitch like some of these other clubs. Um, I did hear rumors that if we were out of the top six and Mourinho was released, his um, severance pay was a lot less. There's, there's a, that would make sense to me as well. Um, I do have to admit, I think the timing was completely wrong. You're a week away from a cup final, Jose versus Pep. Just let it run its course and then see it out to the end of the season. So I think the timing was very, very wrong. I'm not saying the decision was necessarily wrong, but the timing was definitely a strange one. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy to hear. Like Within like four days, that was like the craziest week of football news, like ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, Super League. Whoa, wait, Mourinho got fired. Oh my God, Gary <laughs> Neville's going crazy. It's like, what's happening? It was quite the crazy week for sure. Yeah. And now we're almost back to normal. <laughs> with with well, new, Newcastle losing games again <laughs> <laughs> There's still nine points clear of the drop zone So I think they're going to be okay yeah. I, don't, I don't know if the other teams are going to be able to follow suit well, now, Yeah, we'll be good <laughs> Now, I mean, we were going to touch on some of the I, I'll, I'll skip the, I don't want to say I'll skip the CPL Because uh, I, I think my research well, on that There's some not, news on the CPL, right? Well, fire away yeah, I was going to talk MLS as well a little bit Because I know the season started there And I've I've seen some great games recently MLS-wise, uh, which is exciting for these kids to be able to see as well and help to yeah. analyze, but go ahead, D. Yeah, so just yesterday, the CPL, um, David Clanahan, how do you say his Clanahan. name? Clanahan. He just released uh, a statement about uh, the 2021 season and how it's just going to be pushed back a little bit. Um, and potentially, they have the model of the Island Games that they ran last year, and and they might be you know potentially looking forward to a, maybe a version of that. So May 15th is when they said that they're going to come out with kind of their plans of how the, the season going to roll out um, for the CPL. Um, I think ultimately, you know, they need to have fans in the stands. Agreed. Um, within the model that they have. So, you know, having the travel and things like that, it, I don't think it makes sense for the CPL. Mm-hmm. So potentially, you know, having like, let's just say a spring season um, in a bubble format potentially what I can see the CPL kind of going to for that first half and then going to the fall season and having fans in the stands and going back to cities and things like that. And not, not, not putting on the spot, did they mention anything about the location? Would it be back to the Maritimes, um, do you think, uh, just based on a bubble format, or would they move it somewhere else in the country? What they had said is that they've got the model but they didn't say, hey, we're going to go back to PEI. Oh, okay. They, okay. they said, we've got the model. We, we've done it. It was successful. Um, you know, 
they've they've created something that was was good for them. So mm. my feeling, and and this is just my feeling, is that they'll go they'll go into a bubble format for the first half of the season, mm-hmm. and then potentially return to stadiums uh, later on in the year. I, I guess that would depend on. Yeah. I mean, I c- I could see creating two bubbles, one for the Western teams and one for the Eastern teams, and then some type of crossover after that. That would make sense. But you know, you've got the the Pacific, got the two teams in Alberta. Uh, Cavalry and FC Edmonton, and then Valor in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Put them in a bubble, and then put the four four Eastern teams into a bubble, and then come up with some type of format for crossover. See, now that would make total sense. That that, and then it uh, it, it lessens the amount of travel as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, here yeah. in Alberta, it's a bus trip to, to back and forth. Like, technically, it could be a bus trip to the island if you want to go drive that thirteen hours on the bus. But um, yeah, it's totally doable. Totally doable. Yeah, it's totally doable. And yeah, I do really feel that they if they can get fans in the stands in some point during out this this uh this year that they're, they're gonna try to get there. Yeah. Hey, listen, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up there, I think, for for this edition of the podcast. Uh, many things we could still talk about and we'll just save that for for next week uh you know talking about the some of the pro leagues like the mls who've just sort of gotten going this past weekend uh we could talk a little bit more about it maybe as uh, things move on but kids listen up you need to be working on your skills if you want to move up okay think about all the different aspects we've talked about re-listen to the podcast you know fire away for that one fan in russia you can listen multiple times it'll help you to learn english um, or something like that. I don't or Jordy. Or Jordy. Yeah, you can learn Jordy there if you're in uh, Newcastle. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I want to thank uh, Sean. Thanks for, for being on the show thank as you. always. D. Thank you, thank you. Dano on the phone. Thanks, buddy. No worries. You've been listening to the Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll talk to you again. See ya. You've been listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association.